very grateful. That takes me into yesterday where a group of us were gathered as a part of the uh, prayer intensive uh, yesterday, and Reverend Amon was our presenter. Um, and it's so very clear that Reverend Amon believes in one God and the oneness of all life and the center of all life being in consciousness, in thought, and the many ways that we can engage the divine. And so, essentially, our brother, my brother, Aman, is with us today. And I'm just, uh, I just realized that I was caught up in a little reminiscence there for a moment, just how good it was. There's a part of me that kind of wants to just dab the corners of my mouth lest I drool around uh, just how juicy good all of it is. I want to just remind you that he hails out of guidance, uh, Church of Religious Science, decades ago where he was trained by the, by the master, Dr. Daniel Morgan. And also I want to lift up uh, that he's the author of the book, The Dynamics of Spiritual Mind Treatment. Um, my history is long and deep with Reverend Amand. He, for about 40 years, I have um, kind of been in the orbit of his wisdom and his love, and for that I am grateful. And so today, if you were with us last week, then you already know, and you're waiting for me to get out of the way. If you were not with us last week, then I'm going to suggest that you... Um, review the or experience the video from last week, either on YouTube or Facebook, where you know it's posted in both places and in any order. Experience today, and then go back and bone up on last week as well. 
I'm grateful for Amon's generous spirit and his wisdom. I value his clear consciousness and his dynamic word. And before we hear from Reverend Amon, we will hear from Brannis McKenzie and Tammy Hall with the center of all things. And then ready yourselves for Reverend Amon.
just welcome the families of all truth seekers everywhere. I want to thank Reverend Dr. Andriette for the words in her introduction. I want to thank all who have done whatever it is that you've done to help set the spiritual atmosphere and the consciousness through which a divine message will flow through me over my tongue as the Holy Spirit takes control of that tongue. And I know that each one here listening will hear in his or her own tongue, meaning his or her own level of understanding. This topic continues to be a, a part of the package of uh, in the theme for this month. My the emphasis on the topic today will be on imagination, one of the three pillars, one of the three roles in prayer that I see in prayer. The first being suggestion, second auto-suggestion, and the third imagination. But I'm emphasizing imagination today. Through the topic, I am in Barbados. I'll repeat it. I am in Barbados. And one more time, I am in Barbados. This uh, subject is, is, is uh, coming out of the book or the writing of Neville Goddard and out of one of his many books. And this one is, is entitled Awakened Imagination, Neville is one of my first grandest teachers. It goes back to 40 years ago as Andriette, uh, Reverend Dr. Andriette has alluded to in terms of our relationship. And I think that this uh, author was introduced to her somewhere around that time as well. And Dr. Andriette and I still review those lessons and I will let you in on a secret, perhaps some of you don't know, that the two of us start our days off somewhere around six o'clock in the morning as often as we can. And we're reviewing those 
old writers' teachings together. But something that we've added is called Daily Lessons and A Course in Miracles. So we challenge each other to complete the complete year's study. We both started off and on, off and on every year. And sometimes we go up to lessons in the 100 series and the 200 series and peter off, but we're determined to go through and they practice all 365 of those lessons today. So when you have a prayer partner, you can likely be more successful if you're challenging each other. So let me go into today's topic. I am in Barbados. What we're uh, understanding here, how it is that you can pray for someone else and that you should stay in the consciousness of knowing that somebody is always praying for you and with you, even when you don't know it. And this is an instance of where prayer was being uh, influenced upon someone who didn't know that someone was praying for them. This question came up over the weekend in our prayer intensive, and I wasn't completely satisfied with my response and my answer. And so I think this message was inspired by that incompleteness of my answer. And I want to go deeper into it today. Yes, you can pray for someone else, but I still maintain, which was part of my answer, we don't use our prayer to influence someone else against their will. But that doesn't even stop you from praying for someone when you know that they're not in agreement with the prayer that you're praying for them about it. It's in terms of praying for their highest good, yes, go ahead. But we don't let judgment come into play of what we decide the answer should be. That's the main point that I was trying to convey. So let's see how this happened in this story in the Book of Awakened Imagination by Neville Goddard, where someone was being prayed for and was influenced and didn't know. So we start off with the understanding that individualization does not mean separation. We may be encased in separate bodies, but we still share the one mind. Location does not mean separation. When you think into that one mind, when you pray for yourself or for others into that one mind, thoughts are transmitted from mind to mind instantaneously. The Holy Spirit is the air traffic controller sitting on high in the ethereal realm of that thing that we call one mind. He is, it is, she is the divine orchestrator, the divine operator in God's global positioning system, GPS, on the subjective side of the feminine side of the one mind. The Holy Spirit for God will send the right message to the right person at the right time to convey your heart's desire when you don't even know what words to use, God knows your heart, and then will influence the receiver in a manner that the outcome is for the highest and best good for all concerned in that situation. And this is what you will find happening in this story that I'm going to share with you. The Holy Spirit, the chief operator, gathers together all his helpers who are assigned to special operations in the laboratory of divine mind to bring together it's his god's complete plan for bringing your desire which is the source of your desire that's tapping at the door of your mind to express yourself to bring that desire that vision that that dream that aspiration into being into existence into the material side of the world and it does this by any means necessary that is why it is written in Isaiah chapter 55, starting with verses, verses 8 and 9. For 
the scripture says, my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. And then in Isaiah 65, verse 24, and it shall come to pass that before they call, I will answer. And while they are yet speaking, I will hear this. These scriptures are going to come alive in this illustration, in this story that I'm about to share with you from the book, Awakened Imagination by Neville Goddard. So no matter your desire or need, it is already done. God has already provided the plan, his divine plan that includes his divine ways and means to bring that desire or need into your experience. Let's get out of the book and get out of the Bible now. Let's get into your personal life, into your personal experience, your personal prayer desire, your personal aspiration, your personal dream, your personal vision, your personal project, your personal goal. This is what we're talking about. In his book, Awakened Imagination, Neville Goddard is teaching about the law of assumption. The law of assumption, the law of assumption, conceive, believe, achieve by the use of the law of assumption. You can move into the embodiment of your vision is what we're talking about. You can move into the embodiment of your ideal, your dream, regardless, irrespective of your present circumstance, your present condition. Your present situation, your present ain't God. God does not consider precedent. God makes new ways. God creates unprecedented ways to bring your desire into fulfillment. Well, he has his own credit cards, <laughs> call it credit scoring system. And it's always, you good. <laughs> Creative imagination in your mind is the key. Christ in you is your imagination. Let's look at Philippians 4, 19. It says, and my God will meet all your needs according to his riches and glory through Christ Jesus. Now let's work on from Mark eleven twenty four 24. Again, is our foundational scripture. Therefore, I say unto you, whatever things you desire, when you pray, that's when you receive it. When you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them, it is already done. But Roy Eugene Davis, one of the uh, other great authors, one little statement out of his writing says this, we do not create a condition or experience. We release it into manifestation through an adjustment of attitude. And that's what this talk is about helping to adjust your attitude so that that desire of God in your heart may be released unhampered. So let's welcome the spirit of Neville Goddard as he tells us a story. He says, let me tell you why I am doing what I am doing today. Now he's advanced, he's an adult, he's an older man here now, but he's taking you back to the history of where he started, you know, this enlightenment. He said, it was back in 1933 in the city of New York and with my old friend Abdullah, with whom I studied Hebrew for five years. Now he's looking back about 30, 40 years, but it was during the time of the depression. 1933, we know it was worldwide in, in this country, it was a depression. And so when I went to Abdullah, I was filled with superstitions. 
I could not eat meat, I could not eat fish, I could not eat chicken, and I could not eat any of these things that were living in the world. I did not drink, I did not smoke, and I was making a tremendous effort to live a celibate life. Abdullah said to me, my teacher, he said, I'm going to tell you, you are crazy, Neville. Uh, but but you, I'm not going to tell you you're crazy, he said, but you are, you know. All these things are stupid. But I could not believe they were stupid. In November 1933, I bade goodbye to my parents in the city of New York as they, as they sailed for Barbados. I had been in this country for 12 years with no desire to see Barbados. Now, this statement is important before I continue to uh, read on. Here he is, had, had been away from his country for 12 years, but he had no desire to see Barbados. Now, my topic is, I am in Barbados. He goes on to say, I was not successful, and I was ashamed to go home to uh, successful members of my family. After 12 years in America, I was a failure in my own eyes. One day, now here the story starts. Here, here, here's where it starts. Uh-huh. One day, I came up the street, something possessed me with a desire to go to Barbados. Now see what we're understanding, we say this all the time. It was not his desire, it was God's desire pushing upon his mind to express itself into the universe, into the material world. And so anything that you're asking for, desiring for, it didn't originate in your mind, it came through your mind. And this is important to know. This heals the idea of separation. What I thought, you didn't think anything, you received a thought. What I want, you don't want nothing. God is wanting it through you. And if God is wanting it through you, ain't nothing gonna stop it from coming into pass. He said, it was the year 1933, I was unemployed. Well, it was during the Depression, and he was unemployed. He said, I had no place to go except a little room on 75th Street. Uh-huh. I, I went straight to my old friend, Abdullah, and said to him, Ab, the strangest feeling is possessing me. See, the strangest feeling is possessing you that you want a house for the first time, or you want a bigger house, you want a, a better car, you want you want a family, you want a marriage, you, you want a healing, whatever. A strange feeling is possessing you for the first time in 12 years. I want to go to Barbados. If you want to go to go Neville, this is his teacher saying to him, well, Neville, if you want to go, you have gone. Uh-huh, uh-huh, now this is nothing new to you. This is what we've been teaching over and over and over. What you want, you already have. What, what, what you're desiring, you've already been there. You've already been there. You've already experienced it. He says, if you want to go, never you have gone. And then he says, well, that was a very strange language to me. Here I am in New York City on 72nd Street, and he tells me I have gone to Barbados. I said to him, what do you mean? I have gone, Abdullah. He said, do you really want to go? I answered, yes. He then said to me, well, as you walk through this door, you are not walking on 72nd Street. You are walking on the Palm Lines, Coconut Line streets. This is Barbados. Don't ask me how you're going to go now. You are in Barbados. You do not say how. When you are there, you are there. Now you walk as though you were there. Wow, I went out of his place in a daze. Hmm. I am in Barbados. 
I have no money. I have no job. I, I'm not even well clothed, and yet I am in Barbados. Abdullah was not the kind of person with whom you would argue, not Abdullah. Two weeks later, I was no nearer my goal than on the day I first told him I wanted to go to Barbados. I said to him, Ab, I trust you implicitly, but this is one time I cannot see how it is going to work. I have not a penny towards my journey. I began to explain. You know what Abdullah did? He was as black as the ace of spades, my old friend Abdullah, with his turban head. As I sat in his living room, he rose from his chair and went towards his study and slammed the door, which was not an invitation to follow him. As he went through the door, he said to me, I have said all that I have to say. Ain't it good to have somebody praying for you when you're stupid? <laughs> so the lesson here is that who was doing the praying? Abdullah was doing the praying that was causing a shift in his perception, a shift in his understanding. But what you're going to follow here in a minute is that you're going to see how that prayer was influencing everybody who needed to be influenced in order to bring this plan into manifestation. As somebody is praying for you and you are praying for somebody, you don't get into judgment. All you know is that prayer works. It goes on to read, on the 3rd of December, I stood before Abdullah and told him again, I was no nearer my trip. He repeated his statement, you are in Barbados. The very last ship sailing for uh, Barbados that would take me there for the reason I wanted to go, which was to be there for Christmas, sailed at noon on December 6th. On the morning of December 4th, having no job, having no place to go, I slept late. When I got up, there was an airmail letter from Barbados under my door. Now, if you said airmail today to somebody, you know they don't know what you're talking about. But those of us who've got a little gray hair here, we know what airmail air was the fast way of getting, getting mail. It was the fastest way, <laughs> unless you went some other way. And airmail costs three times more than the average uh, uh, rate cost. And, but, 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 but see, he said, as I opened the door, a little piece of paper flickered to the floor. It was a Zelle transfer. I, I mean, it was a cash app. I, I mean, it was a Zenmo transaction. Oh, I forgot. This was 1933, right? It was a draft, he says, actually. It was a draft. I picked it up and it was a draft for $50. $50 was a lot of money during the Depression. The letter was from my brother, Victor, and it read, I am not asking you to come, Neville. This is a command. Are you following that? We have never had a Christmas, he said, when all the members of our family were present at the same time. This Christmas, it could be done if you would come. This letter continued. You're not working. I know there's no reason why you cannot come. So you must be here before Christmas. The enclosed $50 is to buy a few shirts or a pair of shoes you may need for the trip. You will not need tips. Use the bar if you're drinking. I will meet the ship and pay all your tips and your incurred expenses. I have cabled the ship company in New York City and told them to issue you a ticket when you appear at their office. Uh -huh, uh -huh. You see, whatever it is that you desire, God has 
put that desire, that wish in your in your mind. God has created that need. If it's time for you to get a house or a car or, or do something or a, a marriage or whatever it is, God has already planned that situation. All you need to do is step into it. Uh, he, he says, I have already thought of everything. I'm whispering my ways into the minds of everybody who is to be a part of the manifestation of this desire. He, and the, the story goes on to read, the $50 is simply to buy some little essentials. You may sign as you want aboard the ship. I will meet it and take care of all obligations. Uh-huh. So I went down to the ship company with my letter and I let them read it. See, God's already been there ahead of them, ahead of you. God has already been ahead of you for everything that you're working on, everything that you're involved in. God has already gone before you to influence the mind of the judge. God has already gone before you to influence the mind of the banker. God has already gone before you to influence the mind of the doctor. The God has already gone before you to influence the decision maker regarding anything that you were involved in. Even if there's an impasse, God has already straightened it out. So you see in your imagination, what happens is that I always say you go there before you get there. Go there before you get there in your imagination. God knows all the stumbling blocks that exist and God will straighten them out. This is what you have to know. In the straightening out, he has his own correcting mechanisms. He has his own reset mechanism. He has own way, own contingency plans already known, has already worked them out. And the story continues. It likes like this, it says, the attendant on the ship said, well, Neville, we received the cable that your brother sent, but unfortunately, we have not any space left on the December 6th sailing. Uh-huh, uh-huh. God's contingency plans kicks in. God's already straightened it out. Whatever it is that you're working on, whenever you're praying for something, there will be some stumbling block, but God has contingency plans already in, in, in place. The only thing available, he went on to say, is third class between New York and St. Thomas. When we get to St. Thomas, we have a few passengers who are getting off. So you may then ride first class from St. Thomas to Barbados. But between New York and uh, City and St. Thomas, you must go third class. Although you may have the privileges of the first class dining room and you may walk the decks of the first class, and I said, you know what I said? I said, I will take it. See, never was happy. Wait, now you get on that ship. I'll take it. But remember, as I said, somebody was still praying for never. His mentor, his prayer partner, Abdullah. You know, there's an old uh, uh, gospel or hymnal saying, uh, somebody's praying for me. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Then the story continues. I went back to my friend Abdullah on the afternoon of December 4th, and I said, Al, it worked like a dream. See, he was happy. I told him what I had done, thinking he would be happy. Do you know what Abdullah said to me? He said, who told you that you're going third class? Did I see you in Barbados? The man you are going third class? You are in Barbados and you went there first class. You went there first class. I did not have one moment to see him again after that. And I sailed on the noon 
on the noon of December 6th, when I reached the dock with my passport and my papers to get aboard that ship, the agent said to me, we have good news for you, Mr. Goddard. There has been a cancellation and you are going first class. Abdullah taught me the importance of remaining faithful to an idea and not compromising. I wavered, but he remained faithful to the assumption that I was in Barbados and I had traveled first class. First on the idea, he says, not, he says, feast on the idea, become identified with the idea as though you were already that embodied state. Walk in the assumption that you are what you want to be. If you feast on that and remain faithful to that mental diet, you will crystallize it. You will become it in this world. Well, when I came back to New York in 1934, a few months later, after three heavenly months in Barbados, I began to drink, I smoked, and did everything I had done, had not done in years. I remembered what Abdullah had said to me. He said, after you have proven this law level, you will become normal and stop being stupid. <laughs> you will come out of that graveyard. You will come out of that dead past where you think you're being holy for all you are really doing, you know, you're being so good, Neville, that you're good for nothing. I came back, walking this earth, a completely transformed person. From that day, I began to live more and more. I cannot honestly tell you I have always succeeded. My, my many mistakes in this uh, wonderful, in this world, I've had many failures that would convict me. If I told you that I have so completely mastered the movements of my intention that I can at all times remain faithful to the idea I want to embody. But I can say with the ancient teacher Paul, although I seem to have failed in the past, I move on and strive day after day to become that which I want to embody in this world. So he writes, <clears throat> suspend judgment. Refuse to accept what reason and the senses now dictate. And if you remain faithful to the new diet, you will become the embodiment of the ideal to which you remain faithful. To one's imagination, all things are possible. I walked the streets of New York City feeling that I was actually walking the streets of Barbados. And in that assumption, I could almost smell the odor of the coconut lime lanes. As I remained faithful to this assumption, somebody canceled passage and I received it. My brother in Barbados, who never thought of my coming home, had the commanding urge to write me a strange letter. He had never written to me, but this time he wrote and thought that he originated the idea of my visit. My trip had I paid for it, it would have been $3,000. Now this is during the depression. 
Yet I did it without a nickel in my pocket. I have ways you know not of, God says. My ways are past finding out. The dimensionally greater self, says Neville, took my assumption as the command and influenced the behavior of my brother to write that letter. And then the greater self influenced the behavior of someone to cancel that first class passage and did all the things necessary that would tend towards the production of the idea with which I was identified. I slept as though I were there and the entire behavior of man was molded in harmony with my assumption. I did not need to go down to the ship company and beg them for a passage, asking them to cancel someone who, who was book first class. I did not need to write my brother and beg him to send me some money to, to buy a passage. My brother thought he originated the act. Actually, to this day, he believes that he initiated the desire to bring me home. My old friend Abdullah said to me, you are in Barbados, Neville. And so we close. You want to be there wherever you want to be, wherever you want to be, live as though you are and that you shall be. Amen. And so it is just ordinary Because little 
becomes much when you place it in the master's hand. Just like that little lad who gave Jesus all he had, how the multitude was fed with a fish and the loaves of bread. What you have may not seem much, but when you yield it to the touch of the master's loving hand, yes, then you'll understand how your life could never be the Let's just know that we have been in his presence. Scripture says, behold, I show you a mystery. 
Christ in you, the hope of glory. In this knowing, we know that individualization does not mean separation. We may be encased in separate bodies, but we share the one mind. Location does not mean separation. When you think into, when you pray into that one mind, we know that thoughts are transmitted from mind to mind instantaneously. The Holy Spirit is that air traffic controller sitting on high in that ethereal realm, in that kingdom that we call God. It is the divine orchestrator operating its own GPS system on the subjective side, the feminine side of the one mind. The Holy Spirit being the chief operator gathers together right now all of his helpers in this divine orchestration, <laughs> carrying out, carrying out God's divine plan with God's already designed ways to bring into manifestation whatever it is that God wants, that God desires, that's showing up as a need in my life, in your life, in their life now. How? I don't know. You don't know. He says, my ways are not your ways. My thoughts are not your thoughts. My ways are beyond finding out. I don't do things according to precedent. I create new ways. I make things happen in your life in unprecedented ways. I don't consider circumstances and situations and conditions. I create circumstances and conditions, new circumstances and conditions, if you just get out of the way. And so as we go forth, just know that somebody is praying for you somewhere. As you are praying for somebody somewhere, and this prayer and this knowingness is already, ah, already ah, 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 causing adjustments in, 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 in tendencies that are already set in motion in your life. And if it's not going the right way, God sees ahead and has already established contingency plans to cause divine resets. <laughs> uh -huh, uh -huh, uh -huh. Resets that makes divine corrections to continue to take you on in the right way. And so it is in this consciousness that you can have no worry and no doubt and no fear, no fear. Because God is influencing the minds of the doctors, influencing the minds of the bankers, influencing the minds of those with whom you have an impasse, influencing the minds of everybody and everything that lies before you. I have no worry, no doubt and no fear that I'm going to end up at the right time, at the right place. With this divine desire, this aspiration, this dream, this vision, this goal that is in my mind, being carried out and manifested in God's own divine, perfect, right, and peaceful way. And Father, Mother God, for this realization, for this reality, for this truth, I do indeed accept it with the highest heartfelt gratitude that I can lift up as I say thank you, Father, Mother, God. Amen. And so it is.
is. And so it is.